Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. In this episode, we're going to look at how to buy a ski boot. Now, many of you may know I make a living by selling advice about what ski to buy. But it doesn't matter what advice I give if you're already in the wrong boot. Being in a bad boot effectively nullifies whatever ski choice I might select for you or you might select for yourself because a bad boot overrules all other efforts by mankind. So, I want you to be in a good boot. How do you get a good boot? How do you, how do you be a good customer for a new boot? Well, the short course in how to buy a boot is simplicity itself. You make an appointment at a specialty shop. If you don't have a specialty shop where you prefer to shop, uh, look in the America's Best Boot Fitters Registry online. You can find that under bootfitters.com. Or you can go to Real Skiers and maybe go to one of our test centers or wherever you plan to ski. See what's around there and check in and see if you can't find a specialty shop that carries several lines of boots. Now, when you go to your appointment, bring a clean pair of socks. They don't have to be new, but they do have to be clean and in a bag so we know that you didn't wear them in. Also bring an open mind because who knows what will transpire during a boot fit. They can take many paths. And bring your old boots. It's amazing what a boot fitter can learn by looking at your old pair of shoes, if you will. And whatever skis you intend to use, be good to bring along. And wear loose pants or shorts. Make life easier for everybody. Next, tell your boot fitter about your history, your needs, your fears, and any injuries that need nursing. Consider the boot bench to be a skiing confessional. So spill your guts. Tell them everything that you think might, might help them select you a better boot. People tend to hold on to their boots for a long time, partly because they're afraid of what they might get the next time around. It might not be as good, despite the fact that they tend to complain a lot about their boots, partly because they're so old. Very old boots start to ski poorly simply because of their age. Now, regardless of how long you've had your boots, consider that your new boots might last for roughly that same period. So if you kept your old Betsy's for 10 years, you're probably going to keep these for 10 years. Why do I mention that now? Because if you're going to own a pair of boots for a decade or longer, don't worry about 50 bucks at the point of sale. Worry about getting the best boot and the best quality that's appropriate for your skiing. Your next and final step, do as instructed. From this point forward, you are not in charge. If you are in charge of the sale at this point, then the person who knows least about what's going on has been put in charge of the operation. This is why many boot fits sometimes end up in tears. So that's all you really have to know. What do you have to know about the market overall and where everything fits in the grand scheme of things? You don't have to know any of that to get the right boot, but you do have to get a good boot fitter. So before you start thinking about looking for a boot, look for a boot fitter first. And when you sit down with that boot fitter, you have to just reveal yourself. It shouldn't be too tough. And also reveal in particular what type of skiing you want to do. There's one great divide that has emerged in the world. I guess it's always been there, but we're just more aware of it now. Resort and backcountry are two different worlds. Now, there is a hybridization zone where the two worlds do meet. But be aware that you need to guide your boot fitter, first of all, down which of these totally different avenues we want to travel. Are you an in-resort skier? Are you a backcountry skier? Or do you have legitimate, uh, necessary reasons for mixing the two, which always, doesn't always result in an ideal melange? 
Now, some of you I know are going to find this simplified path, i.e. do as instructed, (laughs) hard to follow. After all, if you're listening to Jackson Illuminates Everything About Skiing, you probably enjoy doing a certain amount of research on your own. Since I'm in the business of selling advice, I can't very well protest this approach. (laughs) So how do you do useful research? How do you become a better boot customer? Well, start with your current boots. How old are they? What brand and model? What size and sole length? Learn what you can about what you're replacing. This was going to help your boot fitter. Come up with likes and dislikes of what you bought originally. In other words, something you liked about that boot at one point in time. And what have you come to dislike about it over time? All this background will help flavor your boot fitter's understanding of what you need. Also, look at your current feet. (laughs) How do they look? Are they wide? Are they narrow? What's your history with shoes? Do you do a lot of other sports that have a very tight-fitting shoe? What's the shape of your arch? What's the history of your arch? Do you always wear insole supports and other shoes, for example? Know thyself might be this particular rule uh, in becoming a better customer for your boot fitter. To give you an overview of the market, Read the boot brand profiles that are on realskiers.com. You'll find them under the gear guide. Now, you're not looking for your model, not yet, but you're just getting a sense of the big picture. Who makes what? Know what boot companies excel in what areas. Based on your self-assessment, then, look at the models that match your foot volume. We might say narrow, medium, and wide, but it's really high volume, low volume, and medium volume that the boot world looks like because we're trying to fit this three-dimensional space and not just the outline of the sole of your foot. The key to model selection is this business of foot volume because that's how everybody breaks down their model line is by the shape of the last or what foot shape that boot was designed around. The best model by model breakdown that you can find to research on the internet is the Masterfit Buyer's Guide. So go to the Masterfit Buyer's Guide online and you can research all of the various boot model archetypes that are out there. They can't review every single model. It's simply not possible. So despite the fact that it may not sound like your model, the model they often ski is a 130 flex boot. Too stiff for most people, but appropriate for most testers is the easiest way to summarize that conundrum. Now, you're still not trying to nail down a final choice just because you're reading about individual models, but you are trying to sort of winnow the field. Ugh, don't like the sound of that, or ooh, that sounds awfully good. And you're going to create a hit list. And in the absence of any other information, you're going to use that hit list to find a shop that carries at least two of the models that fall under your hit list. And that gives you a reasonable chance to get some model selection once you end up sitting in front of a boot fitter. When you're looking at so-called research, pay attention to technical descriptions of the products rather than blather and puffery about how comfortable they are, how great they are, how awesome they are in certain POW conditions. You can ignore all of that. Appeals to the comfort side of the equation are ludicrous because 
every boot is going to be fit comfortably or it's not going to be fit at all. I mean, that's clearly a go, no-go situation. Everybody predicates first that you have to have comfort and then we work on the other refinements such as performance uh, secondarily. So don't read in a brochure, our boots are comfortable and think, gee, those sound great. <laughs> of course, they're going to say they're comfortable, but it's not a material point of view. As you get deeper into your research, understand your limits. By that, I mean, you don't need to know every little detail about the market. Are there some boots that have a tiny bit extra toe room? Yes. Are there boots where the 110 flex is going to be stiffer than the other brands 110 flex? Yes. But these are details your boot fitter is paid to know. Don't get so granular. That's not your job. Your job is to figure out which boots sound like a good match for your feet. And that's it. Basta. Now, when the real game gets going, when you're being fit, first of all, you're going to hand the boot fitter your socks and they're going to decide whether or not they want to fit you around those socks. If the boot fitter does reject your socks and there's many wonderful reasons why they might, just understand that they're doing it for very good reasons. Take the sock that they are going to sell you and go with the flow. The choice of the sock is not an idle one. Let the boot fitter make this choice for you. In fact, the boot fitter is going to be making a lot of choices for you from here on out. You are no longer in charge of the sale, despite what you may have heard about the customer being always right. In a boot fitting environment, that is rarely the case. So, sit up straight, feet about hip socket width apart, knees at right angles, feet bare, because we want to see your bare tootsies to better diagnose what's going to work for you best. Mention your research. This is the time to tell your boot fitter what you found, but leave your mind open for further suggestions because they're likely to come. Volunteer information now about prior injuries, whatever recurring issues you have with footwear. What's the backstory behind your feet? This is the time to divulge that information. Now, a competent boot fitter is going to try to put you in the smallest shell that can comfortably accommodate your feet and lower legs. It's not a question of whether your toes are going to touch the end of the boot. They will. If you're in the right size boot, when you first slip it on, your toes will go right to the end of the boot. You'll think the shell's too short and you will be incorrect. Your toes will retreat, usually plenty enough to accommodate what you feel is too small a space. They will retract as soon as the boot is buckled and you can flex in it. Now, they may not come back to your liking initially. Again, listen to your boot fitter. There are reasons why you can legitimately veto the choice, but there are reasons why you should not be too hasty in rejecting a size that your boot fitter has carefully selected for you and put on your foot first. Realize that everybody has a different measure of what they can tolerate in terms of fit tension or how closely something holds their feet. Feet are very sensitive parts of this. Some people don't like any pressure around their feet at all. They're very hard to fit in ski boots. Some people can tolerate what seems like ridiculously small spaces around what seems like a large foot. Fit tension is not something that's automatically the same for all people. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Now, if you are thinking of upsizing, in other words, moving up to get a little more room, usually for the toes, but it could be for some other part of the foot, just be careful. Don't overdo it. Moving up one size is already a lot. 
If a foot can move in a ski boot, it will move in a ski boot. And keep in mind, in a ski shop, you're unlikely to reproduce the same dynamic action that your feet have inside a boot. In fact, it's extremely unlikely you'll get the same type of dynamic action you would on the hill, but I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. It gets quite tricky. When you're looking at how should it feel, that classic answer, what should it, well, what should it feel like? Well, it should feel really snug in the rear foot. Prioritize precision and accuracy and the foot being held in the rear foot. Your heel should not move up, at least not very easily. You can usually pry your heel up a little bit by pressing off the ball of your foot. That's, after all, how we walk. But that's not how we're trying to test this particular quality here. The heel has to stay seated when you're flexing into the front of the boot. Now, an insole can also change this fit environment. And be aware that if you have just a tiny bit of extra width in the forefoot or a tiny bit extra toe room that's still bugging you, just adding an insole that holds the arch a little more precisely is going to keep the foot from collapsing in the shell. And because it, because it won't collapse, it therefore won't elongate. And this effective shrinkage of the foot will accommodate some fit problems without doing anything more drastic like grinding or chopping away on anything. You've heard me mention insoles a few times in this tirade. The reason we keep on trying to get an insole under you during a boot sale is because of the comfort it'll provide, because your arch won't be as uncomfortable during a long day of skiing, the contact that it'll provide between your arch and the base of the boot. That contact is key for getting all the little proprioceptive nerve endings you have in your arch to activate. So we want to have something that's touching your arch that's not an inch away from it. We also want to stabilize the foot in the boot. When the arch and the insole lock together, it's going to inhibit fore-aft movement of the foot in the boot, so you remain more in the right, proper, balanced position. And, of course, the insole aids biomechanics by supporting the foot in a critical area so that it can transfer energy more efficiently to the ski. So when your boot fitter tells you that you would benefit from an insole, listen. So... How do we know when our boot fit is done? We know we're done when you're in a skiing position and you can flex the cuff, but you can't crush it. The rear foot is stable and the heel's hard to lift. The forefoot and arch feel contact, but aren't squeezing. The shaft of your leg is reasonably stable. That is, there's no huge gap as you press forward into the cuff and then relax that pressure. We don't want to throttle the calf, but we do want to retain contact whenever possible. The buckle pressure that you have around your foot and lower leg has to be done accurately. And it's a different rule book for the lower buckles than it is for the upper buckles. The upper buckles on the cuff, we want to get as snug as we can, particularly the second buckle, the second one down on the cuff. That's the buckle that does all the heavy lifting. So if you really want to apply more pressure to hold your foot more accurately, it's the second cuff buckle that you should give that pressure to. The rules on the forefoot are different. Do not put as much force on the forefoot. It doesn't need it. It won't like it. The second buckle in particular will drive it nuts. Does that mean the buckles are loose and flopping around? No, but neither does it mean that they have much tension on them. Finger tight pressure on the forefoot is normally sufficient for most types of skiing and most types of skiers. What you want ultimately is that when you move, 
the boot moves. There should be no excessive pressure points. There's always the possibility to redistribute pressure. That's what you get pressure points for is because pressure hasn't been adequately moved around. So when you're done with the process, you should have no pressure points. Your boots should not hurt. This ridiculous myth that all ski boots have to hurt should be stood on its head. No ski boots should have to hurt. Now, a few more fun facts about ski boots before I let you go. Boots fit differently day to day and hour to hour. So expect to have to tweak your buckle pressure one way or the other during the course of the day. That's not abnormal. That's totally normal. The Velcro strap or the top buckle strap, it matters. It's not for decoration. Don't just casually close it so it doesn't flop around. Tighten it. It's essentially a buckle. So treat it like one. How you're positioned in the boot, which we haven't even talked about today, matters a lot. Skiing is a sport of balance. Fore-aft balance is essential, and lateral balance is essential. How can you tell if you're in proper fore-aft balance? Well, you should be in an athletic stance. Balance is slightly prioritized to the ball of the foot, and you should feel as though you are very, very stable and can't easily be knocked around. Sort of the position that, say, a linebacker would be in at the snap. You know, you're in an athletic stance with a slightly forward weight, and you should feel very comfortable in that position. No extra strain anywhere in your body. You should also have that same sensation laterally. Uh, of course, lateral sensation is different from fore-aft. Lateral, we want to make sure that the pressure on either side of the leg is equal. And there are simple ways of doing that, and your boot fitter can certainly take those tests. And there are remedial steps to take. If you're way out of whack, you can be put into better balance in your boots. But that is a big, big topic. Boot balancing is sort of a conversational tar baby in the boot fitting business, because once we get into that topic, it can be very hard to get back out of it again. So I'm going to leave it alone at this stage in the narrative. Suffice it to say that you should ski the boot before making extensive modifications to it that it may not need, especially if you're very close on most fronts. You never really know everything about a boot until you go ski it. So go ski it before making any final modifications that you're contemplating. And as for your old gear, the stuff you came in with at the beginning of the sale, that old distressed battle axe, donate the boots to a youth program if they still have some life to them, and use the old skis to make lawn furniture. This has been Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. Thanks for listening.